Welcome to the Beretta Brothers. We're a podcast and a vodcast. You can listen or watch the episode. Just go to theberettabrothers.com. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-A brothers.com. Please subscribe, rate us. And we'd love to hear your comments. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Muppet Mini. Fran Brill remembers Jim, Jerry, Carol, and Richard. I'm Gene Beretta. Bill's out having drinks with Johnny and Sal. On this episode, I'm joined by Fran Brill, Fran Brill, talking about Fran Brill, Fran Brill. She has her own theme, remember? An Emmy Award-winning Muppet performer who created such characters as Sesame Street's Zoe, Prairie Dawn, Little Bird, and many, many more. And that's not all. As an actress, Fran has performed on and off Broadway in popular television shows such as Law and Order, The West Wing, and several soap operas, including All My Children and How to Survive a Marriage. Her voice has also been heard in hundreds of radio and TV commercials and the cartoons Doug and Sheep in the City. And it doesn't end there. She's also graced the big screen in many highly regarded films, including Being There, What About Bob, and Midnight Run. She's with me today because she has some wonderful stories to tell, and unlike the long-form interviews we usually do on our show, these mini-episodes give our guests the chance to share one favorite memory about each of these very special people. Welcome, Fran. Oh, hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, I was just walking by and I heard I heard you say my name, so I thought oh, I'd yeah. turn, turn the, the audio on. I'm glad um, you had your camera on in the house and you just yeah, have to that helped. That helped indeed. <laughs> so what would you like to tell me about Richard Hunt? Well, I don't know how many people realize this, but Richard and I, our, our careers with the Muppets started out at basically the same time. Oh. Um, we were both in this puppet puppeteer training workshop that was held in 1970 because I came to New York uh, with a Broadway show in 69. And when that closed, uh, you know, I was running around trying to earn some money and stuff. Which show was that? That that was called Red, White, and Maddox. It was a musical satire about Lester Maddox. And, so, so I answered this ad in backstage or uh, show business, one of those periodicals, uh, because I thought, hey, they they might want to, you know, they might want to hire me on Sesame Street just to do voices, since I knew I could do that sort of stuff, not realizing that um, this was really going to be a, a puppeteer job. But once they accepted me into this training program, I thought, well, why not? I'll learn how to puppeteer. You know, that could be fun. I never thought of it as an actual career. So So, had you, excuse me, I'm just curious. So did you think of the puppeteering on Sesame Street as voices being one thing and performing as being separate? Like a lot of people still do. um, They don't realize it's all one. Yeah. Absolutely. I have people today who I've even known for a long time, and they said, oh, I thought it was a voiceover job because they knew I did voiceovers. Right. And I said, oh, if only, then everybody could do it, you know, how easy that would be. But no, yeah. no, no, you're responsible for the manipulation, the development of the character, and the voice, right. which are all interrelated. 
Um, and of course, there is dubbing at times if you have lost your voice or you're playing another puppet in the same scene, right? Or a character puppet, but um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's multitasking. So anyway, so um, this was held on Great Jones Street, which is in down way downtown in Manhattan. And well, no. Sorry to keep interrupting you, but remember, Jones Street is the street that Frank Oz and I both lived on, which is only one block long. Yeah. Which is amazing. And I don't think I've ever been back on that street in all the years <laughs> that I lived in New York. But uh, I think it was Kermit Love's studio. I'm sure somebody will know. But uh, anyway, all I remember about that was that there were a lot of wannabe puppeteers and um, this was the time of hippies, so there were a lot of long-haired guys with beards and everything. And uh, we, uh, we basically, it basically was a two-week program. And um, after the first week, they dismissed people. And then if you were good enough or whatever, uh, you lasted through the second week. So Richard was one of those people. Mm -hmm. And he, he, I guess he was 18 because wow. I know that's when he got hired. So he was really young. And a lot of the wannabe puppeteers were quite a bit older, I think. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you know, even then, or I should say, he always was just an, an incredibly uninhibited, um, boisterous. I mean, you just, if you were in a room with Richard, you could never miss him. Mm -hmm. And obviously he had a knack for this. And uh, I mean, I think he was born to be a puppeteer because he was just so, so good. One of my favorite uh, bits that he did on Sesame Street was, I think, called the London Fog. And it was teaching, you know, words that start, that's end with OG. And there was some confusion about bog or fog or log. And he played, um, I'm not sure what the, what, what are those fellows in front of Buckingham? I think they're called palace guards. The the the, the ones, the beef eaters with the big top. Right, right. Who stand in, I mean, they do this to this day. They stand in front of uh, Buckingham Palace and they have this old doom doom with their feet and march, march around. And uh, so he did that with a puppet. And hmm. it was just incredible. It was so good. It was so precise. It was so funny. I mean, mm -hmm. he he also uh, could do any accent right away. Again, it, I don't know why some of us are able to do this. It's just there. You just let it out. And so mm -hmm. he did all that. And it was with Kermit the Frog interviewing him in front of, of Buckingham Palace. And um, it's a great bit. I think it's on YouTube, most of these. Uh -huh. But, you know, that was... That was really early on when he, he got on the show, but <clears throat> he was he was a great performer. He gave a lot, which is wonderful when you're performing with him, and he was just so, so good. So that's one of the bits that I, I wanted to mention that I just think it just is a sublime example of great, great puppeteering. I, I've never heard that story before. I didn't know you, how you met or or uh, where. Yeah. Yeah. So believe it or not, you know, the two of us came out of that. We 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 made it into week two, and then we did. Uh, we both got cast 
a few months later into this um, Ed Sullivan Christmas special called uh, The Great Santa Claus Switch, which starred Art Carney. Huh. And Richard and I were frackles, which were, I don't know, some sort of weird creatures in this thing. And <laughs> so we did that together. And the other thing that we shared was a complete obsession with Stephen Sondheim. Oh. Um, I think we both went to this very early concert, which was in 1973. So I started Sesame Street in 70 as did Richard, actually. And then in 73, Sondheim had already, you know, become pretty famous, though I really saw my first Sondheim show when I was in high school in Phil in Philadelphia. Philadelphia? As you and I would pronounce it, coming from Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> Gosh, when was it? Oh, yeah. I saw Anyone Can Whistle in 1964 mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. So when I saw that show, I was like, I don't know, it just, just completely blew me, blew me over. And right. so um, I got tickets to this Sondheim musical tribute in 1973, which I think was at Carnegie Hall. And I know that both of us went to it, but not together. But he was obsessed with Sondheim, and I was too. So we had that in common. And I, one memory, or the main memory, no, no, it's just it's silly. But when I picture Richard, I picture sitting under the set in between takes, you know, sitting on an apple box, just ready to raise his arm into the shot, reading the New York Times. <laughs> That's what he did. Well, uh -huh. you know, he just... Richard was just always under the set reading the New York Times. Did he do the crossword puzzle too? I don't, I don't know. I mm. don't know. I just saw him reading the New York Times. So mm. that was one thing that's- is, is there, is there, were there two characters that you each performed together that you enjoyed most? Where, oh, you know, where you got to question. ping pong back and forth? Yeah, not really. You know, when we talk about Jerry, absolutely, uh -huh. but not so much. But I'll tell you what, Richard was just irrepressible. He was, he had a huge heart. He was extremely generous. He was larger than life. Uh, I mean, John Music, Placido Flamingo. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just laughed and laughed and laughed at what he did. He was just... And you know what? He, these characters were just full blown the minute he would do them. Mm -hmm. That's not easy, but he just was that gifted. He really was. Don Music is one of my favorites. Oh yes, and the and Prairie. I, I think I may have stolen from Richard. But Prairie Dawn would also bang her head on the piano. <laughs> However, it got it got so bad all this head banging that I know I was asked to stop doing it. Oh wow! Because they thought it wasn't a good. Uh, example for the kids out there to be banging your head on pianos right right uh, but it was funny fran brill what do you have to tell me about carol spinney carol carol was probably one of the most generous of the performers he always 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 had time to talk to anybody who came to the set 
Um, I, I really, really admired him for that. Uh, when I, again, when I began, and this was season two, Big Bird was, of course, one of the main characters. And then after I stopped doing, not I didn't stop doing right hands, but I mean, after they actually gave me a puppet, the first one that they gave me was Little Bird because mm -hmm. they thought that would be a cute idea to have Big Bird and then Little Bird. And um, I think we both enjoyed doing that together a lot. As I said, he was very generous. He was very flattering, um, you know, and at one point, and I wish I had it, but I don't know why, you know, when I moved from New York, I lost a box of a lot of things and mm -hmm. um, which is very sad, but he, he drew a really lovely ink sketch of Big Bird and Little Bird flying. And I think he just called it Birds of a Feather. And mm -hmm. it was just adorable. Um, he was very thoughtful in that way. He did, he, did, he did sketches for a lot of people. Oh, my God. Very generous that he way. He was an artist. He was a superb artist. Every Christmas, he would draw an, an, uh, you know, an original piece not just draw, he, I think he used watercolors to, uh, you know, with, with a lot of the characters in it. Uh, to, and he gave them to everybody on Sesame Street. It was like the Sesame Street Christmas card, wow. which was very kind of him. And he gave them to the cast and the crew, and that was his Christmas present. I just wish I'd been talented enough to do something like that. Um, you have your own talents. But uh, the other thing about Carol, was that he and his wife were the first people I knew who really traveled. I mean, uh -huh. traveled outside of the United States. And it really sparked my interest in traveling, oh. which I have now done. But every season he would come back talking about where they had been, one more exotic place than another. I believe they owned a home in Hawaii too. And, all of this sounded very glamorous to me at the time. Hmm. Wow, that's so nice. Fran Brill, what can you tell me? <laughs> what can you tell me about Jerry Nelson? Oh, Jerry, the divine Jerry Nelson. Um, I think I probably was paired up with Jerry more than anybody else. I okay. think I think Jim thought, and, and he was right, you know, we both were actors, really, before we became puppeteers. I mean, oh, serious right. actors. And so we got cast or paired up in so many things. We were uh, the Count and the, well, the, I, I did not originate the character of the Countess. Camille Bonaro did, but when Camille left Sesame Street, I became the Countess. That goes way, way back. And so we were the Count and the Countess, and what my favorite pairing was, was he did Uncle Biff, and I did a character called Roxy Marie. And Roxy Marie was um, this red-haired, stringy red-haired puppet who wore glasses, because I really wanted her to wear glasses, because none of the other puppets wore glasses. And she, she was like a little Catholic school girl. She had a plaid skirt on and, you know, the little white blouse peeking over. And she wore a back sack, a, a mm -hmm. little 
that right? A backpack. Yeah, backpack. backpack. With her school books in the back. And she was, she, I mean, she was really a creation of mine with the writers and everybody else. I had a very specific person in mind. And um, she was a very smart little girl. And Uncle Biff was a construction worker. And in fact, he used to be uh, part of Biff and Sully, which was oh. played by Richard Hunt. Uh-huh. Two construction workers. And so then Sully disappeared when Richard did. And then they paired me up with Richard and Biff, who was Uncle Biff. And it was just the most, I love doing that so, so much because it really showed kindness and understanding and affection. And it was a perfect character for Jerry because he was a little gruff on the outside, but you knew he adored uh, Roxy Marie, his niece. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they would solve problems together and, and he would, he would, he would say, you know, um, he would have a problem or a question and, and Roxy would explain it to him or correct him in a very gentle way. You know, he would say something like, uh, you know, those, those bees, uh, it's too bad they don't have wings. And then she would say, well, actually, the voice I did, actually Uncle Biff. They have wings, and then she would explain it, but in a very gentle... Sharing. Sharing. That's it. Yeah. She would share the knowledge that she was getting in school with him. And uh, that, I just, I don't know, that just warmed my heart so much. Mm -hmm. um, but what I think is so interesting about Jerry is that he had these two completely different lives. He had his Sesame Street life, but then he had this incredible music career up in Truro. Yeah. You know, with all these musicians. I mean, he was pretty famous just for performing up there and had this group of musicians. And I don't know how many people know what an incredible. Yeah, I don't think people know that side of his life very much at all. Probably not. Um, but I would say it was really 50-50, you know, because mm -hmm. when he wasn't doing Sesame Street, he was performing as a singer and guitarist at all of these different clubs. But but primarily, I think there was one specific uh, place that he worked at with his group of guys. Uh -huh. um, and oh, the other thing that I wanted to add about Jerry is that I don't know when he became this incredible environmentalist. Uh -huh. But I remember in the early years, him emailing all of us with all of these emails about, you know, how bad uh, these oil companies were or, uh, gosh, I wish I could remember one of these companies, but, um, you lot. know, or who was, yeah. who was spraying their foods with toxic chemicals that we were now ingesting and encouraging us to write letters to the company or to the to a newspaper complaining about these companies. And uh -huh. he was really, really enthusiastic about this. Consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. Fran Brill. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> what can you share with us about Jim Henson? Oh well, Jim, you know, it's it's so hard to talk about him because he's still like a god to me, you know, he was such an extraordinary person. 
Um, I think Jane Henson said one of the most interesting interesting things about him. He, he said, she said, Jim would have been a good plumber. And what she meant by that was that he was so curious and such a good learner that he, he honestly could have been anything and would have been successful at anything he tried to do because he would apply himself so well to the the trade or the interest that he had. Yeah. But I also feel that Jim was a very restless person. He was he 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 had so many projects going once Muppets really got going. And it seemed to me that he was always pushing the envelope to see how far the technology could go. Um, he, he I don't think he ever stayed in one place in terms of productivity and looking forward and how can we make this better, uh, which I really admired because I'm sort of a one take. Well, that was pretty good, wasn't it, person? Yeah. Um, well, of course, Frank is the leader in doing the most amount of takes possible. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but, but Jim was just, you know, he was always searching in his mind reading he'd hear about somebody uh and he'd read books about them and i found that you know it was very interesting he did est do you remember Est? oh sure yeah yeah and um can you just for our for our younger uh listeners can you explain it (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) well i know what it it, there was a guy do you remember his name gene i'm gonna google it right now just to get exact about it werner Earhart. There was this thing in the 70s, I think, called Est, and it became all the rage. Uh, I never did it because I, once I heard that, oh, it was a mind-stretching thing. Um, And and when I heard that he allowed no bathroom breaks the entire day, (laughs) I decided that I didn't want to do it. I mean, a real quick answer is, um, est therapy is concerned with changes, with fixing up and making better. Ext is concerned with transformation. So a lot of self-improvement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, I mean, I just remember these incredibly long hours of shooting with Jim because uh, I think it was non-union back in the early days. And um, it was Jim Henson hours, you know, you just shot oh. and shot and shot and shot yeah. until it was done, whether it was 10 o'clock at night or I don't know that we ever shot till two, but I know we shot late into the night many times. Um, he was always great to me. I, he was, he, he always, I felt knew, he respected the fact that I was an actress first, which is why I got the job. And he respected the fact that I had no experience. So he, he was very patient with me learning on the job. And I tried to learn as quickly as I could. Um, but he, he would, you know, there were probably lots of times he, he probably thought, oh, my God, what is this girl doing? You know, I remember. <laughs> um, but, you know, he was just a lovely, lovely man, just in, in so many ways. He treated everybody the same way, no matter if they were, 
you know, the sanitation mm -hmm. guy or the head of the network. And he had incredible patience and he treated everybody um, with respect. And we all imitated him, which is why I think when you meet various puppeteers, we all carry Jim Henson in our personalities, you know? I, it's so funny. I just, uh, like an hour ago, I was talking with my friend Stuart and this came up. And I friend? Said, yeah. Oh. And my one friend. Yeah. And I, and I, I said, I think what happens on the, the Hanson set is that the, everybody involved, first of all, has, is there to begin with, or has, has uh, applied or um, auditioned first because they love Jim to begin with and they know what they're searching for. And secondly, because once they're involved, they feel an obligation to carry his spirit through everything. Oh yeah. I think also when you're young and impressionable as I was, I was 21, uh, you're still, or I was still learning who I was, who I wanted to be, you know, uh, who I emulated. And here was a man who was my boss, who was kind and gentle and soft-spoken and caring and empathetic. And you, you pick up, I hope, all those attributes, you know, if you, if you have a boss who's nasty to everybody, you're nasty. You know, I, I always think it, it starts right at the top. I, I used to say that I, if I would call an advertising agency or something like that, and somebody answered the phone and went, hello, I knew that, that they had a boss who was a son of a gun. Hmm. And because it, it, really, if you're the boss, you don't want, you're, everybody is reflecting who the boss is and it ripples down. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, so Jim was just a, a natural leader and a natural father figure in a way, and he led by example. It's not that he said, oh, I want you all to be kind to each other. It's just you saw the way he treated everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, there's just so much camaraderie. I remember, you know, if you couldn't figure out how to puppeteer something, somebody else would help you out or say, here, move your monitor over there and then look over your shoulder. You'll find it much easier to do than trying to get in this awkward position and it was that the, the Muppets are a very collaborative group of people mm. and it's not like oh I'm going to be the star of this scene yeah. it's just let's let's all make this scene as good as we can be and yep. that all comes from Jim and Frank really it's um mm. it was such a wonderful job which is why nobody ever retires except couple of us because <laughs> you know where do you have a job like that where it's fun and you're around funny funny people and kind people and uh it's really a collaboration and Jim was really good about hiring people very rarely was he wrong well thank you Fran it's a pleasure it's look this is something this is was my family for years and years and years I will be happy to stay in the family the rest of my life. I love mm -hmm. all these people and I stay in touch with everybody. I like to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a lovely thing to revisit once in a while, especially with you, Jean. 
Thank you, Fran Brill. Sometimes with your brother. Yeah, he's, you know, he's a good supporting actor. We know about Bill. Yeah. Yeah. And scene. (laughs) Scene. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We're a podcast and a vodcast. You can listen or watch the episode. Just go to thebarettabrothers.com. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-A brothers.com. Please subscribe, rate us. And we'd love to hear your comments. Thank you.